0: You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Today on the podcast, I cannot wait for you to listen to the amazing interview that I did with Dr. Stephanie Canestrero. She is certified in functional medicine. She's also a trained chiropractor who specializes in the gut-brain connection and athletes. I love the name of her practice called the Vegas Clinic. It's amazing. And that's a huge thing that we talk a lot about today is the Vegas Nerve, which is really that connection between our gut and our brain. And that's her practice and her clinic name. And I just, I love it. And so... We talk all about that. She's an expert on the gut-brain connection, and she's also an expert on co-infections like Lyme, parasites, mold. She has had a personal journey with that, and she opens up a lot about that in the beginning. And I think it's also really important for when people are struggling to get a diagnosis, or you know, they're just labeled things like fibromyalgia or MS, and they're not really sure on like what the diagnosis is on how you know Lyme is. A lot of times at the root of all of that, um, we kind of debunk some Lyme myths, like you don't have to be bit by a tick. They can come from other sources, um, and really how you can support the body and support your immune system to better be able to handle any of these different co-infections, right? So it's something, you know, a kind of a big theme of what I talk about a lot. And it was just so awesome to hear her story, um, here on really some cool ways that she integrates this into the athletes that she works with just to make them even more high-performing, make them more optimal. So I think a lot of people will resonate with that story as well, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear this interview. I learned a ton, and I know that you will too. All right, well, Dr. Stephanie Canestrero, welcome to the podcast today. I am really, really excited to dive in today i know that we were chatting a little bit before i hit record on all the things and i would love for you to introduce yourself to everybody give a little bit of background for people who
1: might not know you yeah for sure thanks for having me first of all um like you said my name is dr stephanie canestrero i'm a chiropractor dc by trade um And early in my career, actually, while I was in chiropractic college, I got really, really sick and I didn't know what it was. And that's what we were chatting about before because I found out, you know, retrospectively that it was Lyme, parasites, mold, like the whole kind of soup that caused me to and i don't know what tipped me over the edge but i got really sick and i was tentatively diagnosed with ms because at that time my symptoms were i had a lot of gut symptoms but a lot of them turned into nervous uh nervous system symptoms like numbness tingling like i'm talking like bell's palsy like symptoms when half of your face goes um paralyzed like just really scary different symptoms every single day and, you know, I was going through the conventional system and and I felt very let down, like no answers. And, you know, even when they found something in my brain, it was a... A tentative diagnosis of a mess, and then what do you do if it's multiple sclerosis? You do nothing until there's more plaques, and it was like this crazy, like thing that just made no sense to me. And and I was in chiropractic college at that time, and even talking to all my professors and talking to, I was taking acupuncture, and the people teaching that, like no one could give me answers, and I knew there were answers. So it kind of catapulted me into this like functional medicine world because. They had given me, they had started throwing words out like multiple sclerosis. So I started searching on the internet, and that's when I found Dr. Terry Walls, who was an MD that was in a tilt-recline wheelchair with MS. And she had reversed it using diet she was a vegan then she went into like um more paleo diet and you know she used some nutrients that helped her nerves and was able to like have this remission after going through like the Mayo Clinic Cleveland Clinic so i took her story and i was like well if she can feel better i can feel better And that's kind of what brought me into the the functional medicine. Then she started teaching at IFM. So I went and I did the IFM, which is Institute for Functional Medicine, and got my certified practitioner there. But my learning has come like it always does from being in the trenches, seeing patients, and going through my own Um, you know, ups and downs that come when you kind of have these chronic, like immune changes when you're younger and, and all of the challenges that come up with that. And then also, you know, being able to use that for, for my practice and, and, I'm a chiropractor by trade, and I work with athletes, so I've even been able to bring this into the athletic world, and, you know, I talk a lot about the vagus nerve because I felt like mine was hijacked, and mine was recently just hijacked again, which we're going to talk about, but that's kind of my story in a nutshell, but uh, I'm sure we'll get into it more.
0: That's amazing. So when you were, like, how far along into chiropractic school were you, like, did did this inhibit you from continuing your studies? Because like, I just think about how grueling that schooling was. And I can't even imagine having a setback like you had and continuing and thriving in that environment.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it was really challenging because it was um, my last year when we had to write boards and all of that. Um, So, and my brain was like mush and somehow I got through it. But that last year, like I went from like straight A's to like, you know, like just kind of like I couldn't, I couldn't like function. I was reading a paragraph over and over because my mind, anyone who's had Lyme or mold knows like your brain, like it's like not the same. So, you know, it was a very, it was a big struggle getting through the last year with how I was feeling. And, you know, luckily I, I made it through and, and then, you know, that's when the real learning started, but I did have to take like a few weeks off, um, like at a time like when I first started practicing which was which was really frustrating because you know you want to learn and out there and I'm such a motivated person and there I was like stuck in bed or in and out of the hospital because you know um, I had I got an infection like you know, common thing in my gut. And I was like only passing blood. And then they treated me with metronidazole, which is like a flagyl, um, antibiotic and mm-hmm. without testing, like, you know, now that I know you can test which, um, antibiotics like, uh, you know, work well with certain people based on like genes in their gut or like other genetics. And now they just throw people on like these strong drugs. Like I ended up getting acute pancreatitis being, you know, not being able to eat like, uh, and then I had to take more weeks off. Like, so, you know, it's just, it's been a lot of learning through my own, um, struggles.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. I feel like we all have like that pain kind of to purpose. And I mean, Mm -hmm. yours is definitely, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, thinking in and out of the hospital. So what did you end up ultimately finding to be either kind of the root of all of that? And how did you go about treating it and healing yourself? Yeah. So in
1: the early, stages. So 10 years ago, I'd say was when I had my first like really bad, um, flare up of health and I didn't know what it was. So all of my symptoms pointed towards Lyme, but anyone who in the past 10 years has had Lyme getting an actual diagnosis is like near impossible. Even when they test you, they're testing like, um, they use like a Western blot in Canada, like we're socialized healthcare. So like, it's really hard to get like any advanced testing. So, you know, they test for one strain. Meanwhile, there's multiple strains of Lyme. Um, they, you know, they, they tell you it's for sure not there based on one test that is not like ruling it all out completely. Um, and then they send you on your way, like without answers. So, you know, it wasn't until I'd say like, 5 years ago when i started working with cellcore and it was as simple as which is a company that you know helps deal with lime like they have a lime lot of lime based products and it was their questionnaire and i was like wow like no one ever, like I had 100% of the symptoms, like, you know, sometimes you've got to go by clinical symptoms too. You don't just leave people like high and dry because you do one test that shows that they don't have what, what you think, right? No testing is perfect. So I think there has to be a lot more like clinical experience and like people's ability to like think outside the box that just wasn't there. Um, and then recently I just had a very scary flare. Um... And that's when I did the Vibrant Labs test is what I used. And I and I have a, an acute flare of Lyme, which most likely, based on my symptoms, which were a lot like I had 10 years ago, um, but this time it affected my heart. I got Lyme carditis, which anyone who's ever felt that, it is extremely scary. Um, you know, you feel like you're having a heart attack. You went from being a young, healthy, like 30-something-year-old to, you know, rushing into the ER because you're having pain down your arm, your heart skipping beats, your heart's in tachycardia, which is like really high heart rate at rest. Um, you know, uh, numbness in my hands, like pain everywhere. Like it was just, and like the, like the, like electricity I felt going through my body because Lyme can throw off your electrolytes and let me tell you, having a high calcium reading is maybe one of the worst feelings in your body that you've ever felt. So it can throw off a lot. And there's a lot that people don't know to look at. They told me when I went to the ER that I was perfectly healthy, but they didn't even test my calcium, which is something that can go off with certain infections. Um, so I um, yeah, I ended up finding out I had Lyme very high Lyme titers that are, that's acute flare. So they can see they're active now with multiple co-infections. So Lyme disease is a bacteria. It's a spirochete. I don't even know how to properly say the word, but it's like a spiral kind of shaped bacteria that can, you know, embed into different parts of your body. And it's very elusive and, and can get deep and is hard to get rid of. So it oftentimes in people, it just goes into like a, cyst form or people will call it a round body and like be inactive like when you're when your immune system strong but it also um it can get triggered if your immune system changes by getting either exposed to other co-infections that are common with Lyme and so I had two parasites or three parasites that are um co-infections of Lyme and three viruses that were super high in my in my last reading. so working I've been working my way back from that with the combination of 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 pharma and mostly natural, but it has been very eye opening for me in ways that I can utilize what's happened to me for my patients. Uh, because, you know, sometimes you need that little bit of boost of help from a pharma, but then having all of that support and supporting the liver and supporting all your other systems and also using the natural, like anti Lyme, anti parasitics is like getting me where i'm almost better where people might have been bedridden for a year after this like intensive Lyme to you know eight weeks and i'm talking to you now i'm working i'm you know i'm i'm feeling like better and better each day
0: thank god that's that's pretty crazy i remember when i would reached out and we were supposed to do this i don't know back before the holidays and I was emailing with um, your assistant and she's like, yeah, she's not feeling good. I was like, oh. And then when we got on the call today, I was like, wow, she really was not feeling good. Um, I just, I can't imagine how scary that that is to to feel that way. But it's a, truly amazing how incredible the body is and how it really wants to heal. We just have to do, do the right things. And I think with your knowledge base, that obviously helped you be able to kind of troubleshoot this a little more. Do you feel like, where do you feel like, you learned the most based on like root cause Lyme stuff from your own experience and obviously like working through it, like I'm sure it forced you to go out and research all these things because you weren't getting the answers, but what are some things that you found to be, um, kind of like good staples or good resources for people, especially if they feel like they might be experiencing some Lyme symptoms?
1: Yeah. So I mean, like I'm just going to start with saying one of the things that I think is the most overlooked for Lyme is like those heart symptoms, because even if you start researching it, it says stuff like on the CDC, like between one and five percent of people and it's much higher than that. I'd say like 30 to 50. So like just knowing like, like, okay, I'm feeling like achy. Someone told me I have fibromyalgia and then I'm also having like Mm. my heart skips a beat and I'm having like palpitations, but they told me it was normal because, you know, they did, I wore a heart monitor and they showed PVCs, tachycardia. It showed like Um, you know, some sinus tachycardia, which means your heart rate's uh, fast, but it's not like uh, dangerous. So they just call it like benign. They call everything benign because maybe you won't drop dead in that moment. I don't know, but it doesn't feel benign. And and I need people to really like listen to that in their own body and not like suffer through it because these things can turn from benign into dangerous quite quickly. So, you know, Mm -hmm. when you, I, I had in my blood work, I had elevated white blood cells and I had elevated neutrophils. Okay, so that's indicative for people that don't know of an infection. Your white blood cells fight infection and then you can break down your white blood cells into neutrophils, lymphocytes, eosinophils, basophils. Um, And that can tell you a little story about what your body's fighting off. And I mean, I'm going to conventional like ER and, and they just ignore an infection. And I said, well, what if it's an infection around my heart? Oh no, it's not that like, well, how do you know? Can you culture? Well, they wouldn't culture my blood. They wouldn't test for Lyme. I I even like made up a story and said, I got bit by a tick. Like, so, you know, you have to, you have to go after, you have to find the right people. And like, oftentimes it's not going to be in conventional um, medicine. I talked to an internal medicine doctor after I got my results that showed I had Lyme and all these co-infections. And he pretty much told me he doesn't believe in Lyme. So this is not a belief system, right? Like this is a fact, like I can send you papers if you want me to show you just because you didn't read the papers doesn't mean you just can't believe the fact. <laughs> like I just, it's just blows my mind. It really, really blows my mind.
0: Yeah. I, 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 I just can't understand that. I don't know how people just are so negligent to think that there could be other possibilities for why people don't feel good. I see that a lot when I chat about parasite infections oh. and things like that, because, yeah. you know, it's like you only get that when you go to a third world country, like nobody has it. Meanwhile, I don't think I've worked with one person Who doesn't have them
1: no and like let me tell you you Um, and we can
0: parasites too (laughs) yeah so how how do people so I know you mentioned that you had to make up that you you had a tick bite Mm -hmm. um how are some ways that or, or how what's a way that you at least think that you could have contracted this if you don't physically remember a tick bite you know they always say that bullseye rash like it's very, you know, it has to be textbook like that. And I'm sure then it would be diagnosed, but other, a lot of people, I feel like don't have the bites to show for it.
1: Yeah. And more often than not. And, um, you know, okay. So they've already showed Lyme to be, can be in any biting insect. Okay. So stinging insect, whatever, um, like mosquitoes, mm. like, uh, I got bit by bed bugs back in the day when I was in chiropractic college, the apartment we were in apparent like, and I didn't, know that at the, or sorry, I found out that at the time, Um, but everyone told me, oh no, you can't get Lyme from bed bugs. But that's one way that it could have been because they do, they can carry that. Um You can get it. I also had dry socket. So I had my wisdom teeth out. And one of the complications mm. that you can get is something called dry socket. And it's essentially like they take the tooth out and then the blood starts to clot. It like protects your bloodstream, right? Or else, but if that like they tell you not to eat, not to drink from a straw, because if that blood clot breaks out and then you start bleeding, it creates this vacuum and it pretty much sucks in all the bacteria from your mouth and it's access to your nerves, your bloodstream, everything. And the, we have, we're exposed to these like Lyme and Lyme co-infections and it can be in our mouth and it can now enter in to our bloodstream via a dry socket or something like that. Um, so, and then another way is through like sexual contact with a partner. So maybe if I was acute and shedding right now, like I, if my, if my partner's like immune system was off and if I was in fact shedding, it's not everyone, not everyone sheds it from like, like like parts of their body. Like it's more like deep in there and it's like bloodstream. So if your blood has contact then, and it gets into someone else's bloodstream, then that that's a like lower risk, but there is, you can pass it between partners. It has to be very close contact though. Um, and they even said like really hard, like making out, like if the mucus is in your mouth, like more from like the back of your throat, not just like kissing someone like, like, but you know, I don't know, making out so to speak. Um, that's another way. And like I said, the other person's immune system has to be dysregulated at some, at that point in time as well, usually for it to be like passed on between partners from what I understand.
0: Wow. That is fascinating. I wonder, Hmm. I wonder if that I guess I'm just thinking of like animals. Obviously, we're not being like in close contact like that with animals. But, you know, like they might kiss you on the face. And that probably oh, yeah. is more like a animals, superficial kiss, like you're saying. But
1: no, no, but animals like because like in their stool, their co- co-infections come out of their toxoplasmosis, babesia. Like, yeah, so sorry. I miss pets is like a big one just because like I'm not thinking pets because I don't have one, but definitely. Not. No, it's OK. Yeah, definitely. That's the way.
0: Interesting. Okay. Well, and I'm thinking, cause we have pets and, you know, I, I think that that's probably a huge reason of parasites and all these, all of these things that I, I've had, but, mm-hmm. um, so interesting. Wow. That is like that. I, I did not know that about, um, the shedding in terms of like how you can shed it to your partner or somebody that's really close to you, that makes a lot of sense for even if people like never ever got bit by anything, that they still could get it if they're immunocompromised in some way, which again goes back to the hounding issue that I've been hounding in for two years about how important it is to keep up your immune health. Um, exactly. What a concept. Even in this, it's a what a concept. Um, what a concept. So interesting. So, <laughs> right. um, wow, I'm just like mind blown by that. So, when you say, kind of backtrack into what you said about how if you have Lyme, you have parasites, why they go together? Can you? And I think this also kind of ties into the immune system mm-hmm. because when the immune system is bogged down, you can just, you know, you're so much more able to have these different kind of co-infections. So, um, let's dive into parasites a little bit. I've talked about them on my podcast. I've talked about them a lot more this last year because. I've seen clinically the extent that they can do to root cause issues and I've, what I I've found in myself. And so, um, what did you find with yourself within your healing journey, uh, with parasites?
1: Well, I honestly, I think I was one of the first people to use the, the cell core products in like 2015 or whatever, because I had, you know, I had done so much healing at that point, but still like my gut was a problem, like, as far as like, you know sometimes I had like the diarrhea or, or, or urgency like and I was like still suffering like although it was like way better and it was like further like fewer and further between but like still I had that like vulnerability in my gut and that's when I found Selcor and I did their like para one which is mimosa pudica seed and I did um You know their binder and like you know all these things started coming together. Like I used to always think there's got to be something better. I'd done other parasite cleanses. They'd helped for like a little bit, and then you know I did that with Paratua, which which is a blend of different herbs. And you know that's when I passed my first worm. And they take up a lot of space in your body, and they harbor a lot of toxins, and they give off a lot of toxins. So. I'd say that was like the biggest game changer in like my gut health was getting rid of those larger parasites that like, I really didn't even believe were inside of me until I, until I saw them. And so I think that that's what a lot of people, um, you know, they it's like that whole thought, like really like there's like worms living inside of me. And, you know, I passed liver flukes and uh, I, I even passed worms out of my nose. I had a really chronic nasal infection because of molds because, I think mold exposure is what set me off all around that same time because I think I was in a moldy place with bed bugs, which sounds like I was living in the hood, but it was actually like a nice area, just <laughs> like a toxic building. Um, and it, so, and then even my most recent flare with lime, I had stayed at a cottage that was like. I mean, they haven't tested it for mold yet, but I saw some evidence of it. And the way I felt in there, I knew that there was a bad mold exposure because before that, previously, I had felt so good. So the mold for me was what, like, pushed my bucket, like, toxin overload, even though I was feeling great before Mm. that. And it might have just been that toxic and it just dysregulated my immune system and then Lyme and parasites showed up so you know when I talk about the larger parasites in the gut that I pass like those worms that's one thing but co-infections for Lyme are like they're more systemic like they're microscopic um, things like Babesia which like can affect your heart can affect your arteries affect your red blood cells like cause a lot of pain cause a lot of havoc that's one of the ones that I have um, um, or I'm getting rid of toxoplasma that's one too. That's one that you can get from eating pork. That's, and it's like a cyst like one. It's hard to kill. Um, cats shed it in their stool. That's why they tell pregnant people to stay away from it. It really can inflame your brain. So for me, I got tons of anxiety with this last kind of flare. Like your brain kind of gets like kind of hijacked and you're a little bit wonky. So yeah, fun stuff. But pa- parasites Yeah, are... it's, it's just, it's.
0: Yeah. going. on. They're fascinating and yeah. also crazy at the same time to think about. I think a lot of people just don't want to go there. They don't want to think that that stuff lives in us, mm-hmm. you know?
1: But they always Which have, right? Understandable. And
0: it's like, yeah. Are, I
1: think it's just education. Like they're not even like, we are never even going to get rid of all of them. It's just like, you know, if you have a pulse, you have a parasite is something that I forget who said, Dr watts or something. Um, so it's not a question. Yes. I
0: think that's right.
1: Yeah. So it's not a question of, of if you have them, it's your parasitic load and it's the other, like (laughs) what's in your swamp. Like, so right now my swamp was full. Okay. So now I'm working on it. I feel better. Like I've peeled back some layers. So it's just like, you know, getting your body to a place where it can regulate and return to homeostasis and kill off the things that aren't supposed to be there. And, you know, and then we help it along. And I think that's like, I think that's the, like, what's been lost. I think what's been lost is that we used to know that this was a thing. And like once a year we would like in every like tribal community, they purge for parasites. Like we're the only people that forgot that in like our Western civilization, you know, loss
0: of connection to the yeah. Earth I mean,
1: and,
0: Yeah. I mean, we do it to our animals. We, you do it when you, like other countries, like you said, it's very common for them to do it. But for some reason, it's like the most taboo thing in the world to address here, um, which makes no sense. Because like you said, we all have them, whether you've traveled to a foreign country or not. Um, I mean, not that they necessarily cause probably symptoms in everybody. But I mean, like you said earlier, you all we all have a toxic bucket and mm-hmm. that can contribute to that. And for you, it was kind of, it's so interesting that you kind of had this infection and then it's mold parasites and lime just so crazy how they all just so go together so commonly mm-hmm. and that one of the times it's it, for you it was the mold that kind of pushed you over the edge so did you do while you were kind of doing some stuff with the lime and the parasites did you address the mold situation at all or did you just make sure that you were just out of out of it
1: no i definitely have been addressing everything so i've been opening up drainage like working on liver and. um doing binders for molds. Um, I had already done like just by chance, my great plains lab test. And I had like mycotoxins that were high for like Aspergillus, which is like the most common mold that we're, um, uh, exposed to. So, you know, and like those can show up high. Cause I was already working through things. And the funny thing is, is that like, anytime I tried to take a certain, uh, herbal tincture of like something that someone had, suggested to me like I would get small amounts of these symptoms in my heart like just showing it was like stirring that kind of like lime up or like just stirring up like what was actually still there in my body so it kind of like you know I'm taking this now as like a blessing where I'm gonna like really clean out like the deeper stuff that I was a little bit more reluctant to get to because I would start and I'd be like oh okay no that seems like like my body doesn't want that but it just like maybe was the different the wrong approach or something like that so I don't know I'm just trying to take from this I know I can help people way more from going through a recent like a flare up that was so acute and severe like that Uh, and like you know because I started to get like super conservative like which I think is good in some ways but like I've realized like no your body needs a lot when you're going through this like and your body can actually handle like a lot more supplements when you're in an acute situation because it like, it just needs them that much more. So mm-hmm. I I, it, I think, and I, 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 we were talking before, like I added in some, some pharma, like I took doxycycline. I haven't taken an antibiotic since the, 10 years ago when I got acute pancreatitis from the metronidazole. Um, and so um, I was really scared and putting it off. And then I just like, I just did it and it helped me so much. Like it took my heart pain away and lessened my palps like within hours. And then I wanted to be like, do I have to stop taking this? (laughs) Because it was so helpful. And I think what it did is it, is it took away that like acute layer of it. And I could even feel my body detoxing because if you read about Lyme, when you have an acute flare and you start killing it, there's lots of like It's like so many millions and trillions of the bacteria that are coming out. That I had pain in my kidneys as they were like exiting. It's kind of gross to think about. Um, But like it just like wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, and now I can take that herbal tincture which was for Lyme that I couldn't take before, or for one of Lyme co-infections which was IS Bart from Cellcore. Like I can now handle like full droppers of it because like I took the load down enough. And I, yeah, so it's, it's been interesting kind of experimenting with my own, my own
0: body. Absolutely. Wow. It's, Very, very interesting to hear all the things that you've done and how they've worked so wonderfully. What are, if any, any dietary changes that you might've made, even within the last like 10 years since your diagnosis, I know you referenced Dr. Terry Walls and her journey is fascinating. I love following her. Um, And I know she's kind of more paleo. She does a lot of organ meats, stuff like that. Um, Did you make any changes to your diet throughout like your healing journey that you found to be like pretty monumental?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, what I didn't mention about my healing journey is I found out I had celiac kind of like right after that first flare. So, you know, I really was quite a mess in in 2009. But um, so gluten, obviously taking that out was huge. But like I said, I took that out and it still wasn't great. And because um, I still had to get rid of the parasites. So, you know, I think after the parasites, I could handle more foods because I kind of went first gluten-free, you know how it is. Like I was like using, doing pretty much a standard American diet before I knew any better. They didn't even teach us really well in chiropractic college, to be honest, of what to eat. And, um, I mean, a little bit better no. than the standard American diet, but like we're Italian. So we like a lot of like fresh pasta, pizza, like my nonna was a caterer. That's grandmother in Italian. So like, you know, I liked uh, panini with some cold cuts on it. Like I was eating all that stuff. So my diet changed drastically then um, where I went like gluten free, which cut out a lot of stuff because there wasn't a lot of these pre-packaged products that were gluten free at that time. So you kind of went without all those processed carbs. Um, so that was like a huge change in my health. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. I toy, I've toyed with every diet. Like I went vegan for a while after my acute pancreatitis. And then I crashed with that diet. And, you know, then I learned, um, about, um, Dr. Terry Walls and the importance of meat and all of that. And obviously felt the difference. It's just like when I had that pancreatitis, I couldn't handle meat. So like, I cut it out and then I tried to go along with that, but I really crashed from a vegan diet and then my gut got worse again. So, you know, uh, my happy medium has been kind of like a, a paleo diet. I've tried keto. I did really well, got really lean, but then it kind of stressed my hormones and I started getting a little puffy. So like, you know, I've kind of toyed around with every diet. And I think it's just like a really balanced for me. And I think everyone biologically is different. Um, Mm -hmm. is just like those like meats that are like always high quality. Like I I tell people like quality over kind of quantity, of course, but, um, you know, grass fed, grass finished meats, uh, Oregon meats. If like a lot of people can't stomach them. So I even suggest desiccated ones if they can't, um, um, just like those rich foods, like avocados, like, but stuff that's easy for you to break down because like, kale is not a superfood to me. I don't know how you feel. Kale is like hard to break down, has lots of anti-nutrients. Like it's just, so I go more for like, um, just those nutrient rich foods that are easier to break down.
0: Agreed. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. I, I find myself gravitating more towards, like you said, more of like the rich type superfoods. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I do really well with animal-based products. Um, I do do veggies, but as I was on my walk this morning with my dog, I was like, it's literally two degrees here. And I'm like, okay, so do we just eat animal products and organs and like squash that I have in the garage for the next few months? Because there's nothing going to be at the farmer's market. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I, I totally agree. Everybody's different and it's very important to find what you what you like, but there's so many common ground foods that that are very nutrient dense. Um, but there's also very common foods that can be irritating, right? Like raw veggies, especially things like raw kale and stuff like that. So super interesting. Um, I would love to hear how you got into working with athletes and more specifically how you focus and what you find with kind of this root cause approach with the athletes that you work with.
1: Yeah. So I started working with athletes, like even when I was in school, like I had a mentor who was like a guru in the field of like sports medicine, chiropractic sports medicine. And so I was traveling around under his license. Um, even before I had my own license, like my very first day of my own license, like I was treating NHL players. I was treating people in the Royal family. Like, so it, it it was all through kind of his connections and his like mentorship. So we, um, like, and, but then I was going through my own story. Like that was, that was all like the hands on stuff. We do acupuncture, soft tissue. We do like a really integrated approach, um, with, uh, patients. And then I think this was just the one step that like, because I started just sharing my story with the athletes I was already seeing. and because I'm pretty open with, with it. And they'd be like, Oh, like, you know, uh, my gut's not the best. Like I wake up and I have diarrhea or, or like, you know, I have urgency or I go 15 times a day, like, and they don't tell anyone that they just like accept it as normal. And it, and so I started just like, and I was using, um, like I, I started using testing right, right off. Um, when I started learning, because I really like, I like seeing what, what's like, collecting data and learning more. I feel like it's interesting to see. So, and they didn't have really anything stopping them from a financial. So we would do testing and then like parasites would come up and usually parasites don't even show up in stool. So their load was like over and above, like, like even what I was seeing in like the general population. Um, and so lowering that for them, I mean, then they start absorbing their nutrients better. They start performing better. Their adrenals get better. They're, you know, I'm testing their amino acids, their amino acids look better because we're working on their stomach acid. So like, it was all very, very gut health, um, approach. And like, you know, there's so many sayings by like, you know, Hippocrates, like, you know, all disease begins in the gut. So it's a great place to start. And like, you know, you learn that it's not the be all end all, like there's, there's other moving parts, but it was like, you just saw huge changes. And then from there, I just started learning more about like their lifestyle and stress that they're under and supporting their, their adrenals or supporting their nutrition, or they're always in a catabolic state, like turning on their vagus nerve, like heart rate variability. And it kind of just catapulted in like, it just like, you know, just turned into just the whole approach where and now I look at their, their blood, I look at, um, I look at like a spectra cell analysis, I'm looking at their stool, I'm looking at organic acids, like I'm just like getting a lot of data and, but then making it really targeted for them. And I don't think everyone needs that much data. I think there's like clear places to start for a lot of people, but this is just something to me that is very interesting. And I think having data can help um, you ask a lot more questions or see a lot more patterns than, than not having it.
0: I agree. I agree. I think, I think it's so cool that you see, you can see physical changes in their performance and in their HRV and in their vagus nerve, which obviously that's the name of your clinic. So can we talk about the vagus nerve and what that is? So for people who might not be familiar?
1: Uh, Yeah, for
0: sure. So the
1: vagus nerve is in charge of our parasympathetic nervous system, which is the side of our nervous system for like rest and digest. So, um, you know, when you're eating, you're supposed to be rested and that's when your body breaks down food, blood flows to your organs instead of to your muscles, like, because you're not trying to escape something. So the opposite of your parasympathetic is your sympathetic nervous system. And that gets turned on when you like historically, when something was threatening you, like if you were in the wilderness and there's a bear and it comes after you, you know, your sympathetic nervous system turns on your, all of your blood flows to your muscles, like your bowels want to empty. That's why people like poop their pants if they're scared. Like, you know, your body just wants to get ready to like escape and then be safe. And then it's supposed to turn back into your parasympathetic. But we live in a society now where it's like, go, 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 go. And in humans, even our own thoughts can take us from our resting into our, 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 our um, stress into sympathetic nervous system. So fight or flight. So we'll say that's your fight or flight side. So, you know, we're the only species that that does that to ourselves. So um, the vagus nerve gets shut off a lot because the vagus nerve is the master of the parasympathetic or the rest and digest side. And they've shown that the better vagal tone you have, and, you know, we teach people like different ways to measure like heart rate variability to see how your vagus nerve is functioning. But I mean, ways that you can assume that your vagus nerve is not functioning well is things like, well, heart palpitations are one of them, um, you know, high blood pressure. Um, lots of people get changes in their voice, difficulty swallowing, um, just like being stressed all the time, like mental stress or someone being diagnosed with general anxiety like that. Your vagus nerve is not, uh, functioning properly. Um, anything, any chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, literally any diagnosis that you have that is like a chronic disease, it, your vagus nerve is not functioning. So um, we there's ways to, to activate your vagus nerve, which there's some simple ones, there's some more complex ones, but we try to teach people the simple ones like humming gargling gagging because the vagus nerve innervates the back of the the palate there's um there's breathing and meditation but box breathing when you breathe in hold uh for a four to five seconds hold at the bottom of the breath and then breathe out for longer than you breathed in because the vagus nerve is in charge of the exhale so if you force the exhale you can turn on the vagus nerve um or like it's so it's like doing an exercise right like if you want your bicep to grow you do bicep curls so these are all just ways of like getting that vagus nerve activated again there's a lot of facial postures that can activate your vagus nerve because your vagus nerve is a cranial nerve it's cranial nerve 10 it starts um from your brainstem exits your brainstem and then innervates all of your organs apparently except for your adrenal glands but who knows um all the way down to your um your Uh, descending colon. So it's like got a hand in everything. So, um, you know, it's kind of like the, the, um, head of the orchestra. It's like really kind of setting the tone for how healthy you are, your immune system. It communicates with your gut and like different bugs from your gut give off toxins that can travel from the vagus nerve all the way up into your brain and cause brain inflammation. Um, but they've shown just activating your vagus nerve can help you know, shut down those bugs because your immune system gets better. So it's just like a very important thing to try and focus on. And we have like um, a thing on our website where you can download all the ways to tone your vagus nerve, Um, but it's, uh, there's, there's cold exposure um, or even just cold on your face I, I, show a lot of, I show one that I made up myself from all of my own experiences of where I felt like hijacked and I've had to use it a lot lately. And that's like the toothpick one where you tap different, um, acupuncture points that stimulate the vagus nerve and, you know, and then just over the vagus nerve where it's the most superficial. So, uh, the tragus of your ear, if you just look up where that is, it's like the part of your ear, the little tab, uh, right beside your face. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but tapping there, um, you know, craniosacral chiropractic work turns on your uh, vagus nerve. Anything that takes pressure off of your neck, so loosening someone's hands, forearms, arms, armpits, anyone who's specialized in soft tissue that, you know, knows how to do that, that's going to help relieve, like, tension on the vagus nerve, Um, tongue, moving your tongue in certain ways, puffing your face, like, all of these different things. Eye movements, like, far gazing, it's called. So there's lots of ways to um, you know, like just stimulate that kind of paralyzed vagus nerve. Cause that's what can happen when it's too many toxins around it. Or sometimes certain viruses actually can enter the vagus nerve like, and infect it. So, um, yeah, that's just a, it's like an added benefit for any parasite cleanse you're doing anything like that. Um, anything to make your vagus nerve more active. Another thing that's more invasive is, uh, coffee enemas. They really affect your vagus nerve because they cause your gallbladder to contract. And that's usually the vagus nerve that's in charge of that because the vagus nerve has a lot to do with our digestion. So that's, I named my clinic Vegas clinic because my vagus nerve was totally hijacked. And that's like, so it, it kind of, and then even working with these athletes with lots of post-concussive stuff, I found their vagus nerve, their heart rate variability was shot. So, um, yeah that's in short, but I could talk about it forever.
0: That was probably the best explanation of the vagus nerve that I've ever heard. Um, that was perfect. Uh, so one thing that I found super interesting with myself and tracking heart rate variability is like whenever I'm doing all those de-stress things like deep belly breathing, box breathing, cold exposure, limiting, obviously environmental toxins and EMF, my HRV it's phenomenal. But anytime there's stress to the system, I like even a little bit, like even as much as like not sleeping in my own bed or being on TV or like a a device too late in the day, you can just see how it affects your body. And I think HRV is kind of a, I know it's not like a necessarily a one-on-one connection with the vagus nerve, but it's pretty it's pretty correlated. And it's really cool to see that. So people, if you do track your HRV, you can always see how your vagus nerve is working. I I actually had a patient consult yesterday or a follow-up, I should say. And she was saying that like, if she ever had issues like going to the bathroom, which a lot of people struggle with constipation, whenever she'd meditate, she'd be able to go. And it's just that interesting immediate connection between your gut and your brain that when you put it in that de-stress situation, how you're able to to get yourself out of fight or flight and be able to, you know, have a bowel movement and just put yourself in that parasympathetic state. It's super easy. So many of those things are things that people can do on a daily basis.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. The vagus nerve is in charge of that migrating motor complex, that movement downwards of your bowel, like that nice, like down, like just constant flow downwards and it can get like stagnant and so that's you know when people meditate that can be helpful it's like travelers some people have travelers diarrhea which is like overactive like stress system and then some people have like constipation where they can't go when they're traveling and so there's like different different ends of the spectrum too for
0: sure oh definitely definitely i am definitely more on the spectrum of it is harder to go so i am way more into like I bring my castor oil pack with me. I would. I wish I would have brought my coffee enema stuff with me because that helps a lot. Coffee enemas are amazing. That's definitely something I love and need to need to do more of because I kind of got out of the habit of it. But um, this was incredibly, incredibly informative. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can connect with you? I know you said on your website you had that uh, Vegas nerve activation download, so. Let, let everyone know where they can connect with you.
1: Yeah. So our our um, website is vegasclinic.com. Um, and that's where you can get that vagal toning thing. And then we have a Vegas Clinic Instagram. Um, and then mine's my name. Well, it's Dr. like Dr. S is in Sam. And then my last name, Canistrero. That's my Instagram. I need to make it, I keep saying this in every podcast that I'm going to make it easier. But, anyways, that it's if you look look up Stephanie Canastrero. You'll find me on Instagram. And, you know, I'm about to kind of post my whole story. I've been kind of off of there because I don't know how people like are sick. And then they're like updating people every day. Like I kudos to them because I've just been like hundred <laughs> percent into my just healing, but I'm going to start to share a lot more of what I've learned through all of this because it's been really, really interesting to see like my own data change drastically with like all the proper treatments and uh, I'm going to share all that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing that, even though I know we heard so much of it here and I just, I love what you do and I'm just, I'm so glad that we were able to connect. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much of your expertise with everybody.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm really honored to be on here
0: and love what you're doing as well, getting this out to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, so important. Well, thank you. And we'll definitely stay in touch. Perfect.